Hey everybody, Harry here. Just wanted to give you a few heads ups on a few things. Heads up, heads ups. I don't know. What, how do you pluralize that? Anyway, um, first of all, thank you all so much to everybody who listened to the first episode of the podcast on Skinamarink. Uh, we really loved all of the really nice positive feedback we heard from people. The social media sharing was really amazing. Um, we're trying to make this a thing that we do. We want to do it annually, and uh, it is really motivating to to have people replying to us, sharing our stuff. It's really helpful. The other helpful thing that people can do, of course, to go on to your pod streamer of choice and give ratings and reviews and things. If you can take a moment, even just for a few words, um, it really helps the visibility of the show. Another thing I wanted to mention regarding this week's episode on Cocaine Bear, we actually recorded this episode twice. Uh, the first time we recorded it, we had a catastrophic audio failure, uh, and we ended up just deciding, hey, let's just record this again, rather than make y'all listen to it around all of the little audio flaws that existed. Um, so you may hear some uh, references to previous conversations on Cocaine Bear, and so if, if that's what you hear, then um, just know that that was the case, so just a bit of context for you. Good news, though, is that that catastrophe spurred us to then invest in some new audio gear, and so going forward after this episode, audio will be much higher quality, much better sound production, uh, so you can look forward to that, so you can hear every little nuance, every little crack of my voice will come through crystal clear. Um, I think that's all that I have for you. So thank you all so much. Happy spooky season, everybody. And uh, here's our discussion on Cocaine Bear. Um, I don't know, something there. It's just literally a half a thought that I'm just pooping out there. Go ahead. Do something with it. <laughs> I'm Harry Nichols. I like, uh, I'm a horror freak and a teacher and a musician. And, uh, I'm, I, I do this because I like feeling pain for some reason from my art. And, um, it's a problem that I have that I'm working on. Jen. <laughs> uh, I am also obsessed with horror movies and creepy things. And I'm a tattoo artist and also a musician, but not, not the way that, Harry is like a legit professional musician. Um, <laughs> and I like freaking myself and watching, you know, freaking myself out and watching scary, creepy movies. And today we are ruining the night of Corey. Tell us a little bit about yourself. Hi, I'm Corey. Uh, I am a teacher and a uh, amateur fiction writer. And I do not like horror. Um, I tend to avoid it. I was actually very irritated recently when I had to sit through like a revenge thriller that was like the goriest thing I've ever seen. Um, not Cocaine Bear. Um, pale, <laughs> pales in comparison to this movie I saw. That's irritated the whole time. I was like, I didn't sign up for this. Uh, mm. So I am, I don't know why I don't like horror. I think it all relates to a very scary moment I had at a horror haunted house when I was like eight. Uh, and I was sort of like um, detected by the MC who was dressed up like Frankenstein's monster. And he pointed at me and said, she might not like it here. And I like ran out screaming and since then have been, had no interest in horror. 
Wow, what an origin story. <laughs> Frankenstein ruined. <laughs> like a literary figure ruined my like experience before. It's like so appropriate and tracks so hard. <laughs> Does Frankenstein count as like a like I'm saying Frankenstein, I mean Frankenstein's monster, which I imagine is what it really was, right? <laughs> Does that count as a literary figure anymore? I don't Absolutely. know. I guess. Mary Shelley? Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. Sorry. No, no disrespect to Mary Shelley. Yeah. <laughs> For sure. So we made you sit through this movie, Cocaine Bear, uh, for the second time now. <laughs> right? Yeah. Twice. Two times. And I also watched it two times. And Jen watched it one time. <laughs> I watched it two times for the other time that we did this i did not watch it again for this round so you didn't watch it thrice i guess no 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 that feels yeah i couldn't we'll get into it but i i couldn't i couldn't do it you couldn't make yourself do it again okay uh Corey, can you tell us a little bit about just give us like the broad strokes what is cocaine bear what is this movie for people who are curious but haven't checked it out yet um cocaine bear is the the story of of a ragtag group of people who come together uh (laughs) because a bear has gotten into a bunch of cocaine that has been off i'm telling this terribly so okay i'm into it so far this is great keep it up (laughs) some drug cartel knows that if their plane is going down they need to unload the stuff at blood mountain in georgia so i guess the plane is going down and some guy who's super hopped up thornton who's super hopped up on coke lets all the cocaine out and it gets into the hands or should i say snoot of one particular mama bear (laughs) who um, terrorizes a forest through full of children and adults um, with various degrees of, of forest knowledge um, for, I don't know, what, 90 minutes? Um, and then, you know, no spoilers here or anything, but I, like, want to say that, like, the right people win. But, mm. yeah, that's all. I feel like that's a very 80s conclusion. Right? <laughs> 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 Because I feel like, like, like you can't untie this movie from its eightiesness, right? It's set in the eighties. It opens with that, um, with that song that also opens, uh, like the Wet Hot American Summer movies. What, what is that oh, song even God. called? Have you all seen those movies? Yes, yeah. Um, Corey, you're missing out. I am missing out. I'll have to add that to my list. They're so great. They're not horror movies. No, they're <laughs> they're definitely they are not. stupid, <laughs> stupid comedies. Mm-hmm. I can't think of this. Um, sorry, go ahead. I've got some of the lyrics written down and my taking. Time for letting it be, baby. Jane, you're playing a game called dot dot dot. That's all I got. Mm, all right. But it was like a real, you know, like head bopping, like, yeah. What did you what would people call that when you're head banging? Head banging. Thank you. Bopping is nineteen <laughs> fifties. Bopping is is gentler than headbanging, I feel. It's true. Yeah. Yeah. So I just looked it up. The song is called Jane by Jefferson Star Starship, which I will certainly play right here. 
<laughs> when I edit it. it. <laughs> nice. It got me onto this fan theory that like maybe this whole movie because so like may because this movie is made by Elizabeth Banks, who is also in the Wet Hot American Summer movies. Like, is this movie supposed to be like a like in universe situation? Or is it just like it's like at the same camp? Like it's like yeah. They merge the two at some point, right? Because it's like, well, I guess it's in like a national park, not really a camp. I don't remember where Wet Hot American Summer takes place. It could be at the camp, though. Like they, yeah, or the camp could be right near there. I don't know. Maybe could be. Blood Mountain is in America. It's in Georgia, which is in mm-hmm. America. Yeah, that objectively true. You can't argue. <laughs> I don't know. So Jen, where where I mean, you have watched it twice, right? Mm-hmm. As as have the rest of us. What, what what were some of the some of the things that this movie had you thinking about? Had me thinking about? Yeah. <laughs> I don't know if it had me thinking about anything necessarily off the bat. Uh <laughs> <laughs> um I remember last time we got into some real great stuff, which I'm sure we will get into again, but uh, I think with horror comedy is I tend to focus on the pacing and the structure more because they tend to fuck it up more than other. Mm. Uh, like they don't know how much horror to do. They don't know how much comedy to do. Sometimes they do it together and it's awesome. Like the part in the uh, cabin with the, is it the park ranger? Is that what she Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Um, like that part's great but like a lot of it there's like a lull in the beginning um because I, I quick went to wikipedia just to like remind myself of like plot points and i was like oh yeah that does piss me off again which was <laughs> i wonder how you guys felt about this um the like the beginning is literally like four or five separate openings so like the guy who falls out of the plane then like the couple in the woods then the detective who finds the body who fell out of the plane and then uh ray liotta's character in the arcade and then carrie russell's character with her daughter in the bedroom and it's just like boom here's a character boom here's a character like it's not doing anything and i think the funniest parts were the first two openings with the guy falling out of the plane and the couple in the woods but like what do you guys think mm. about how you feel about that as an introduction to characters yeah i mean I, you know so w- you brought this up last time we had this conversation um that it, it felt very kind of like um disjointed as far as like an opening like 20 25 minutes of the movie and i agreed with you then i think i enjoyed it more this time around though honestly i i i rewatched it i liked it a bit i, I think the comedic bits just just hit a little better for me i'm not sure why maybe it's mood maybe it's just i don't know uh, like I, I truly don't know maybe it's like a, i watched it at a different time of the day but like i i found it much funnier for some reason on the second round through um I I particularly loved like Alden Ehrenreich when he's introduced in the bar and he's like crying over his his, his dead uh-huh. wife and he's got the the tattoo that says John it's supposed to say Joan and like 
the guy asks for the penne and he asks if there's any chicken or anything in there. He just says, it's just plain. It's just plain. <laughs> like, for some reason, it just slayed me this time around. <laughs> I don't know. Corey, what, what do you, what, how, how is the pacing in the beginning for you? What do you think? I mean, I uh, just want to say for the record that like the plain penny really cracked me up and like absorbed me this time because I mm -hmm. noticed it was totally like, just buttered noodles. Right. And, yeah, it looks super like, boring. Yeah. Yeah. And it's like described as like dive bar in St. Louis. And I was like, I've been to a lot of Midwestern dive bars. I have never fucking seen. Sorry, I don't know if I can swear. I have you never seen. <laughs> just like buttered noodles at like a bar I was like right. where are they? so I like I'm sort of delighted in that scene but I generally like I agree Jen it the first I feel like half hour of the movie moves so quickly through like these like scenes that don't feel like particularly juxtaposed like they don't feel like intentionally woven together they just feel like boom, boom, boom like you just need to know the progression of how all these characters are going to end up at blood mountain and so like i found it yeah i found it slightly irritating maybe um i didn't like hate it but i was like i kept trying to bold my notes every time a new scene happened i constantly was like bolding new notes i was like what is oh, happening yeah. here mm -hmm. um but i think like i don't know i'm happy that we got to all these different places into some degree like the arcade is so classically 80s and like felt necessary um, the police station where Bob and Reba are working, like that was sort of fascinating to me. And there's like, every time Reba's on screen, when they're in the police office, there's like an American flag hovering near her or like, it's actually not hovering. It's just like a little dumb little American flag that's like stuck on her desk, but it's like always in the frame with her. And I was like, this is fascinating. Like just from like a, I don't like a mise-en-scene perspective of like, why do they have to be at the post, post office? Hello, the police station. <laughs> and like, how are they connecting the police with like America? And like, what is this America that's like connected with the police? So I thought like, there was like fruitfulness about it, but it just like moved so fast that it sort of irritated me. As yeah. That's so interesting. I did not notice the American flag that's interesting that it was in the police station too. I didn't notice it on the first, re like first viewing either, but suddenly I was like, oh, that American flag seems purposeful. Again, I, I got to keep bringing up the 80s-ness of this movie. Like, I feel like if you're going to, if you're going to start to dig into like the meat and thematic material of this movie, you have to like look at the, the setting, right? Like, yeah. which is just, which is just the 80s. I mean, you know, it 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 was it was a, it was an era that like really lionized like the police, and to me, that's that's not really surprising. That observation that there's like always an American flag kind of like present in the police station. Like, I think there's like, yeah, I'm sure there's something definitely intentional in there. It's it's hard to, especially after we have that like short series of clips of like, you know, those like TV ads of like this is your brain on drugs, the sort of. Uh, <laughs> That was great. I know it's another opening technically. I really mm -hmm. liked that. Just to your point, like I think it's an explicit invitation to contextualize the the movie within the like 80s war on drugs, the way that like kids like what was her name? Dee Dee and Henry mm -hmm. like raised and by kids I mean like I was that age, right? Like I would have been that age during, you know, the cocaine parent incident, I guess. And <laughs> 
totally raised in this like sort of war on drugs atmosphere. So I think the inclusion of all of those advertisements is like a deliberate, like let's contextualize this within the eighties for sure. I feel like, especially too, cause like if it's not our, cause we're all pretty close in age, I think like, um, if it's not our generation watching it and it's like someone younger, they will have never seen those commercials. So like mm. understand like that whole war on drugs thing. And a lot of them, like, I was like, Oh shit. Like I forgot about that one or like, I don't know. It brings back a memory of it, but yeah. I feel like a little bit, this is a movie that is, um, it, you know, it might be a little bit lost on, people who don't have that contextual information right I, I feel like it really is a movie for people who grew up in the 80s or who have some sort of cultural knowledge of the 80s because i feel like so much of the action of the movie is driven by very 80s anxieties mm-hmm. and by that specifically i mean like this is a movie about what people what parents in the 80s were afraid kids were doing while they were distracted right like this is a movie about uh, you know so like just to just to 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 break down the sort of like the sets of parents we have in this movie we've got uh, the mom sorry i think yes 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 and her daughter like she's distracted chasing after this pediatrician right and and her daughter is is like off you know in the woods finding cocaine and trying to find ways to ingest cocaine and doing it incorrectly right and then you've got you know other other kids in this movie who are just like straight up like classic villainized 80s punks who are just like waiting in bathrooms for people to show up so that they can rob them right like this is a movie this second time around for me really i feel like revealed to me the extent to which this movie is about uh, parents in the 80s and the the sort of cartoonish anxieties they had about what their kids were doing while they were not paying attention that's that's interesting because one thing that caught my attention during this viewing was just that sorry when she finds out that the kids had tried cocaine she's like kind of funny about it like she's just like kind of like her she asks her daughter something about like you know being doing drugs and the daughter like confirms it and she's like how did you know and she's like I had my suspicions but you confirmed it but it's like kind of in like a laughy haha manner mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. kind of interesting because I think that like sorry is positioned as like similar to the cocaine bear and mm-hmm. I think both of them are like positioned as like the appropriate parent figures because like mm-hmm. they're like juxtaposed with um uh Sid, aka uh, Daddy Ray, um, who is clearly a terrible dad, right? Like he not only is like badgering his like son who is grieving his dead wife to like go and get this cocaine. He's like, so it's like clear also that he badgered his kid into like being part of like this drug enterprise in the first place. He's literally just like left his grandchild like home 
like in front of the TV or something. Like it's unclear how the kid is being like cared for while, while, you know, Ray Liotta is off trying to find his cocaine. And there was something else there that I was just like, man, this is like so clearly positioned as like, this guy's a shitty father. Um, So it's like, there's almost like three parent figures. Like there's the shitty parent, there's like the good parent. And then like, I think you're right, Harry, that there's like also the like presence, if not like actually present in the movie, but the sort of like presence broadly of like the paranoid parent, like the parent who's like afraid and like the parent who like, you know, was worried about, you know, me walking home from school because like maybe somebody would approach me with drugs, you know, like. Right. Totally. Totally. I, but here's the thing. I also think that there's like way more parents in this movie. Like I, for some reason, all those introductions, I was like, Oh, that's a parent. Oh, that's a parent. Jen, you feel like you want to say something. No, I was going to say literally. Almost the same thing. And Cocaine Bear is a parent. Obviously a parent. Yep. Okay. So quick question. Okay. I'm going to talk through this. So it might not make sense. Okay. Cocaine Bear is a woman? Yes. Cocaine Bear is a mama bear. Okay. Is the only father Ray Liotta and the grieving son? Like, are those the only dads? I think if you want to consider Bob the cop... Like, I was gonna say because he's got the dog, right? Yeah, that oh. he's trying to ditch so he could do his job, man. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, but he comes around in the end. <laughs> he does, yeah. But yeah, okay, maybe that doesn't because I was like, oh, is it showcasing the like women as better parents than mm. the guys? I don't know. I'm not really sure if that works, but. Well, yeah, I think that there's like the thing that's interesting about the women characters, both Cocaine Bear and Sorry, is that there's like this dance between like letting their offspring have autonomy and also being protective. Like we see them kind of do both. And so I think that's sort of fascinating that it isn't like this. They're not like super overprotective, super overbearing. But I also like I buy your point, Harry, that like, sorry, at the beginning is like living her own life with her hot pediatrician um, lover. And so maybe is actually ignoring Dee Dee. Um, But maybe the same thing could be said for Cocaine Bear, who is ignoring her cubs in search of more coke. More cocaine. (laughs) Yes. <laughs> Sweet nose candy. <laughs> <laughs> and what's interesting is that like the two Norwegian hikers, when they are, when, when the woman gets eaten, um, they're mm-hmm. like discussing possible children's names. Yes. Yes. I also thought about like, that. Just like pre- presenting them as like possible future parents. So like parenting is definitely framed, I think, in the film as like being a core sort of thematic topic for sure do you guys think there is like a parent that is like framed as like a good parent or are they all like bad or are they all problematic in their own special ways or are there threads of commonality between any of the parents um I mean I so when I before before you know we had this conversation I was getting the distinct impression that all of the parents in this movie were like distracted parents. They were, they were all somehow, you know, taken away from tending to their kids by something. But I I like what you're saying about the, the sort of nuances of 
um, allowing some of that autonomy, allowing some of that trust with kids and, and how the movie might set up a certain morality um, along those lines, because I love that opening scene where uh, the mom and her daughter, they just have this like conversation in the room and it's like a little bit contentious, but they're also, you can kind of tell they're just kind of on the same wavelength and they, uh, it's not, it's not contentious that in a way that feels unhealthy, right? It feels very normal and um, like there's just open communication between the two of them. And, um, you know, I like the idea of reading that um as an endorsement of that style of parenting i feel like we see the most parenting between them if that makes sense like yes there's ray liotta and his son but his son is older like his son's already an adult so it's hard mm-hmm. to like parenting aspects necessarily and the grandkid like i because it was mentioned like having him watch TV and just be at home. I feel like that's a very 80s thing too. Super is, 80s. Right? Like it's just like the leave your kid at home, the TV will babysit kind of thing. Um is it is it more just showing the different parenting styles that aren't necessarily like good or bad from the 80s but just are? The bear could represent, you know, going out and doing coke. Right. <laughs> friends and then bringing dinner to your kids really late at night <laughs> like, um i'm not really super animalistic like well yeah. and that except i feel like in the 80s we had there was a lot of comparing people to animals in the 80s is there something sort of like allegorical happening there as far as like the rhetoric of again of like the war on drugs and and um i don't know something there it's just literally a half a thought that i'm just pooping out there go ahead do something with it yeah i'm like i'm not sure what exactly what to do with that because i think like you're right just like in general about the way that like drug users were vilified sorry i don't know if you can hear that motorcycle um it was cool it was cool (laughs) um so like how drug users were vilified in the eighties and I mean, continue to be, but like right. what, what I think we talked about this last, last time we had recorded, like I can't figure out if this movie is evading the question of race or if it's like engaging mm-hmm. with it implicitly, but it's like the war on drugs was primarily a war on like black folks and primarily like a war on black and brown folks in like urban areas right and so like we have white folks as like the drug users in this Mm -hmm. film which is sort of interesting and it's it's cocaine um except for an animal right (laughs) right except except for for this animal and so like is that yeah is that active critique on the way that like the 80s and the war on drugs vilified people of color, black folks in particular, um, or is it, I don't know, like, I think it would be smart enough to be doing that. But like, yeah, I guess like a question, but there's something also powerful to me about the fact that like, I still think that the best parent figure in this movie is the cocaine bear. Like, (laughs) person who's like out there, like, you know, protecting the, the cubs and like, not putting them into harm's way, which is like, unlike, you know, Sid. 
So like, there's a weird, I like, can't tell, maybe that all this amounts to like, I can't tell what the movie's take on cocaine bear is. Are mm. we like supposed to be like, yeah, cocaine bear, like she's rad. Or are we supposed to be like, poor cocaine bear? It also like, like elides the fact that like, I think in the real story, the like bear that got into the cocaine, like just died. So right. I'm throwing a bunch of stuff out there. I don't know. <laughs> right. Just like I did. And so that's fair. I actually love that question though, Corey, is that like, how are we supposed to regard the cocaine bear in this movie? Like, is it a monster? Is it supposed to be like a fuck? Yeah. Like cocaine bear situation. Cause like, yeah, you know, because it also is is muddied thanks to you know, like genre and like the way that you know gore films have played out over the past 40 years and slasher films and you know movies that are about murder and death and blood and stuff, right? Like like the question of of who we are actually rooting for here um has gotten really really muddy and yeah. so you know i love the idea that maybe we're actually supposed to be rooting for the cocaine bear in this movie right like maybe the cocaine bear is the one who has it figured out right no i think that's cool actually <laughs> i think it's a great question because it is and you mentioned horror movies because like i feel like like there are a lot of horror movies like uh friday the 13th obviously not the first one because you don't know who the killer is but like well it's like you're like rooting for jason to like kill the teenagers having sex or like so like is cocaine bear that that's a good question i think the other genre i don't know um is that muddies it is the comedy aspect of it because like cocaine bear is like i don't know doing cocaine is that what you would say clearly i've never done cocaine um mm. <laughs> uh we're all yes like one can do cocaine yes. i think so i think one does cocaine yeah uh, <laughs> like, like we're like oh that's funny like you know and then Corey, you're right the bear did die in real life so like that would not be something we'd laugh at in real life but in the movie we're like yeah that's great find more cocaine and then like i've are spoilers okay? Yeah, of course. Okay. But then in the end, we're like, yeah, fuck Ray Liotta and great. Good job, Cocaine Bear and the babies. Um, so I feel like there is a sense of rooting for Cocaine Bear, but I do agree mm-hmm. that it needs throughout the film. Like it's a little uncertain. I don't know. Yeah. It's killing people that we have met and been introduced to. Sure. And people who didn't necessarily do anything wrong, right? Yeah. Like, yeah. like Olaf and Elsa, which is, again, mm-hmm. just such a weird pairing, right? Like, why are they going to name those characters that? Um... <laughs> but they want to name their kid Texas. Like, like that was really interesting to me that she's wearing a um, like a cowboy hat and she said she'd want to name her kid Texas. And mm-hmm. like, again, with the like American flag, that's like against Reba as um or like on Reba's desk when they're in the police office I was mm-hmm. like this is just such a like what is the commentary happening here about like the U.S. like yeah it's I'm not sure if it's just really nuanced or kind of muddied or if like yeah I'm missing something but it feels like these there are deliberate 
into like they're deliberately integrating commentary on like the United States. Yeah. And it seems kind of silly, right? Like the fact that she wants to name her kid Texas and like she sees like the US as like like wearing a cowboy hat or something. But yeah, I don't know. That's as far as I've got with like that. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I, I think ultimately we're probably gonna run into our critiques of this movie, which is just that like it 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 almost says well so as per our last conversation, it almost says enough as a movie, but it like it just doesn't quite get there, right? Like for me, I think I enjoyed it a bit more this watch through because I I don't know the humor landed a bit better for me, and I was readier for it. I was in a better mood for it, but ultimately, again, like yeah, just like the message, just like it just doesn't come through for me. I don't know how y'all feel about it. Are we rating it? Are we going that? Way? I think we are. I think we're transitioning into our ratings here. Okay. Yeah, I don't know. Unless Corey, were you about to say something? Well, I was. I was about to say that, like this time around, I had like continued to think about parents, but I actually, I made a joke at the end of like our last thing that I was like, maybe this is actually about the crisis of representation and like how challenging it is to represent reality and maybe in particular like nature. And I'm actually, I just like want to dig down into that a little bit more. Yes, Uh, let's do that. That sounds great. I feel like if there's anything that felt like had meaning to me, it was that. So this is, I found this sort of fascinating. Um, The first time that the bear gets like captured, eats the Norwegian woman, she, they've like got her, um, the bear in their camera. And we see the bear through the lens of the camera. And then we've got at the end, the final scene is, well, besides like the trailer clips, is the bear being captured again through somebody's camcorder. And the bear both times like catches their eye through the lens of whatever is capturing them and like seems to like go after the person capturing the image. And so I think that coupled with, which I just, this is so, it's so weird that the daughter wants to paint the waterfall. It's like, what like it's just such a weird thing to want to do and to like want to do so badly where did that come from in the script and it so I really do think there might be something here that's like productive about like the desire to capture the uncapturable and the desire to like render into film or still or whatever like something that is alive and vibrant and like constantly changing and like I think that's like us as viewers in an interesting place because you know we're watching this film go down but we are not so unlike the people on the other end of the camera that like the cocaine bear wants to attack and so like I don't know like I still kind of think that there's something fruitful about like the like fact that like you can't capture nature you can't represent reality and so like maybe all our attempts to think about parenting are like fun but at the end of the day how can you really like capture the full spectrum of parenting in a film or like how can you really capture the full in intense violence of the war on drugs in the 80s like through film you can't and so like here's like a comedy horror instead of actually trying to get at the reality so like I think like my desperate attempt to make something feel cohesive is like, oh, if we read all of the like inability to like tie up the loose ends through the lens of like what the film might be saying about representation uh, Mm -hmm. through like film and and art, then like maybe there's a reason that we can't pull together those loose ends. I love that. I love that. Is that is that a good thing, though? 
or is that is is that a credit to the film or is that a demerit like what is that? like I, mean, I don't know if it's a credit to the film because you really have to pay attention that the one is through a camera and the other is through like a video a camcorder video camera like because if, if if i feel like you could credit them with yeah, them with that if it was more obvious but it's not i do really love though all of that because i feel like what you're saying too like it's based on a true i'm putting this in quotes as if people can see me uh based on a true story but it's like they're representing it but like clearly none of it um which is kind of interesting i do want to quick say one thing about the waterfall thing bob ross was really big back in that time because like i watched bob ross a fuck ton as a kid um and so like he painted nature and so like one thing as an artist is to go out and like paint nature like it's uh like oh god the word i should know this um i forget what it's called when you go out and paint things but and plain air. yes that is it plain air yes so the um I feel like that might have been, but it would have been actually like kind of maybe they didn't have the rights to say Bob Ross or something, but like mm. it's another 80s reference. Mm. But yeah, yeah. Cause I do realize like watching that, because I feel like uh I thought Tyler, my partner said something about that too, where it was like, what does that mean? <laughs> You're going to paint the waterfall. It's like yeah, it's super, it's super weird. See, like um but yeah, that's yeah. actually, if that had been pulled out more too, that's a cool way to tie in. Well, I think that's a really, I think that's something that really compels me, Corey, to your, to your reading about the uncapturable, right? It, is that the un, it's so hard to imagine painting the waterfall, right? Like that's something that is just so impossible. And that's something that really, I think lends strength to that idea. Mm-hmm. Which is cool, actually. It's like, it makes me feel like it's a legit movie. (laughs) (laughs) This is like my, maybe I mentioned this the last time we filmed, but like reading a film critically is my way of dealing with horror. So like I have a very vivid memory of like being a 12th grader and being in a film class. And so like having a little bit of critical vocabulary under my belt and all of my friends wanting to watch, um, Oh my God. Uh, the one set in Colorado, Jack Nicholson. Why am I oh, facing um, The Shining? Shining. Yeah. All my friends wanted to watch The Shining one night. And I was like, oh, I really don't want to, but okay. I'm going to like read it like a film student. Yeah. No, that's, that's a good literary study though. That You're lucky that that was the one and not <laughs> like skin of a rank. <laughs> Definitely. Yeah. Even though skin. No offense, Jen. I know you love Skinner. Right? That one like four times. Fine. <laughs> I mean, that shit's good. It's it, no, it's real good. It's real good. Aaron was wrong. Anyway, uh, <laughs> cool. Right, should we should we do uh, should we do some ratings? Shall we uh, rate rate the film? Yeah. I think for me, I'm going to put it up at a seven. I think last time I had it in the like five, six range. I don't know. For me, I'm just going purely uh, real lizard brain here. I just think that the funny parts were funnier. The scary parts were scarier. And uh, it was funner to watch the second time around. So I'm going to give it a seven. Nice. Uh, Corey, do you want to go next? Sure. I think like 
I, I think I would also give it a seven. And based on the food for thought, which I enjoyed, also something we haven't really mentioned is the pleasure of the scene when Bob the cop is stuck on top of the gazebo and like mm. figure out how to get himself down. Oh, it's so good. Some like real genuine like belly laughs um, in my household. So that was great. Um, yeah, and I mean like bonus points for just like making me feel a lot of empathy for a bear on cocaine. Like, so I think I gotta go seven, maybe seven and a half. That nice. Last time too, right? Yeah, I think, I think it was like six maybe or I can't remember. I think we were all in the same ish, like five or six last time. Yeah. I don't remember if I gave it a five or a six last time, but my I'm gonna give it a four point five. Damn. I know, I'm, Oof, I'm sorry. I know I didn't watch it again, but an indication for me of a movie that I enjoy is if I want to watch it again. And I really didn't want to watch it again. I was like, I got it. I got it. Uh, I think I'm unfairly harsh towards the horror comedy uh, category. Yeah. But I recognize that. <laughs> and I would recommend this movie to people, though. I would. Mm-hmm. I would just, you know, like, say it's fun. Yeah. And well, sorry, when I when I was saying yes, I didn't mean that you are on. I, I wasn't saying that I agree that you're unfairly harsh. I meant that I also have a propensity to like dislike the horror comedy genre. Like I have like a. I love it. I love a horror. But I I am. I love a horror comedy, but I've seen like a lot of them and I. Tend to find. I don't know. Maybe I maybe I don't like them as much as I thought I did. Oh shit. Mind being blown. Um we're discovering what I really enjoy in a horror movie. Yeah, I don't know. I think I think that I like it. I think this one felt more comedy to me. I think that's why I also rate it a little lower. The kills were great, but they weren't consistent enough. Mm-hmm. There weren't enough kills. Come on, cocaine bear. <laughs> cocaine. I Oh, sorry. I have a couple. I I don't know how long you guys were planning to spend on this, but like I have a couple of questions. And yeah, like, sure. Maybe one for Jen in particular, but maybe for both of you. Like, so Andy, uh, my spouse and I watched a video about like analyzing film. And one of the things that like we kind of like learned a little bit more about is like editing and like lighting and the way that that contributes to the, you know, genre vibes. And so this time around, I just like really noticed like the lighting, like until it gets to be dusk, it's like bright. It is comedy lighting. And like the cuts and edits feel like they're more comedy cuts and edits. And so like, I wondered, Jen, if like the movie had more shadows, if it were like, if like the sort of film, like the way that the film was produced felt like more like if everything remained the same, the script, the kills, et cetera, but it was like shot with more shadows, jumpier, maybe like edits, like, would you have a different feeling for it? That's a really good question. And I do think that you guys are a hundred percent right that it's like the brighter 
comedy lighting. Um, I feel like a lot of horror comedies do that. Like they tend to like visually, like I don't think I ever find horror comedies to be visually interesting because of that. Um, like there's not very much style to them. I think that, I don't know. I think that, I don't know if it would help. It'd be interesting. I feel like the thing that like took it out for me was just that like, like I think the pacing, honestly, like I feel like I like when the horror is more integrated with the comedy. And I felt like only a couple times was that really achieved. Um, I was like laughing and like horrified at the same time. Um, so I feel like a lot of it was like the characters being funny with each other. It wasn't yeah. the like actual horror of it was funny, if that makes sense. Right. I'm not sure. I feel like in a horror comedy, those moments are meant to humanize the characters, which is meant to make you feel more for them, which is so that when terrible things happen to them, you feel worse things, right? Um, oh, yeah. No, that makes sense. I just think that, like, yeah, you know, every 10 minutes, we should have like a horror thing if there's like comedy between or something. Sure, sure. Yeah, I hear that. Um, I, I love your question, Corey. Um, also, because I'm thinking about where the movie falls apart for me, which is the ending. Like, the end of the movie is where I just kind of don't want to watch it anymore. And I think part of it, frankly, and this might be a very superficial answer, is that it's such a dark, like a visually dark ending. Mm -hmm. And it is so hard i i feel like they're going for a sudden seriousness where there was mostly just humor before and silliness and uh these overblown characters doing you know terrible things but in a way that is funny to watch um and in the end we're we're getting very uh you know, we're getting very symbolic and very allegorical and it's all very dark and, and frankly, just hard to watch, hard to visually see what's happening. Um, and, I, and I'm starting to care less and less about what happens to Ray Liotta and Alden Ehrenreich and, you know, all these characters. And um, so, yeah, so for me, I don't I don't think that the movie would work with that, with mm -hmm. that, with that kind of style. I don't know. I think I think that humor is too integral to its like mm -hmm. raison d'etre to 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 do that. I agree about being too dark at the end. It is really hard to it's actually hard to see. It's literally hard to see what's happening. Yeah. My other my other two points are maybe like more throwaway, but like I want to know about shoes in the movie because there's like a close up of the guy who's like throwing the coke out of the plane on his loafers. And then mm. when they have like a, a recording, like the when when there's like a news story about it, like some neighbor is like notes the loafers, like says something like maybe the loafers were too heavy. And I was like, okay. And then like um David, uh 
who's like, you know, like one of the drug guys, like he's like obsessed with his shoes and like so worried about them. Like when he first comes in to meet Ray Liotta in the arcade, like steps in something and then also is like worried about getting them too wet. And so I was like, I don't know, it's kind of interested in shoes and also interested in like highs and lows. Like when are people above and when are people below, like climbing up the tree or being at the top of this waterfall or being on top of the gazebo versus like below. So like, that's one thing, shoes and then high and low. And then I also was curious about the rainbow, like like the body, the bags carrying all the um, Coke are red, but all of them have these like rainbow um uh what what do you call these like straps uh, like straps um and so I was like is this just like were rainbows really big in 80s culture I think maybe they were or is this like a call up to like you know queer culture like today like I was like trying to figure out like where the rainbows like what work they were doing because it felt very noteworthy to me I feel like the rainbow super 80s I think I don't know Uh, yeah more than queer at the time but Today, watching it, people might think queer more than 80s. I don't know. Well, I think of the shoes and I think of like materialism. And I think of, you know, like again, like a movie that's about the distractions that parents have from their kids and 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 sort of it being like a sort of a function of that. But no, I mean, that that's super interesting as well to think about. And I, I had not attuned to at all. But that's cool. I love some loafers. So I was, you know, I was like, I like legitimately wrote down nice loafers before the guy mm-hmm. died. Ah, I particularly felt when, when he's, when he stepped on the, the packet of ketchup and was like, Oh, I just bought these. And I'm like, Oh, oh man, you just bought these. That sucks. You know, like, yeah. <laughs> before we, before we wrap this up, who's got like a, who who's, who's got a favorite, like what the fuck takeaway moment from this movie where you were shocked, surprised, or just felt like it was representative. I think my what the fuck was a long scene, but I feel like it was one of the most enjoyable. Uh, was the ambulance? Mm, oh yeah, so good, so good. And her body just like skids out. I was like, oh my god, they actually. Totally. Um, yeah. So I think that was the what the fuck moment for me. What about you guys? I think, I think for me, it was when Ray Liotta's, um, like, intestines come out, and, like, I think I didn't remember that, and then, and then the bears, like, play with it, and I was like, this is so repulsive. (laughs) (laughs) It's gross. I think for me, it's, it's kind of similar, it's just, like, a repulsive, gross, like, gag moment, but it's, uh, when the guy gets strung up in the tree, and like the bear like attacks him up there and you just like see it like he just bleeds out like downwards through the tree. And it's just so like physically feels impossible, but it's just still so gross. Like, <laughs> Oh, wait, this also sorry that it was reminding me of Henry saying like, that seems like the kind of thing that I want to forget, but also like the kind of thing a man will remember his whole life. Um. <laughs> What the hell was up with his wrestling thing? I was like, I don't understand why he's wearing this wrestling belt for the whole movie. Uh, no, I don't get that either. I, <laughs> I feel like I think that that's something that is meant to hearken to like the 80s kids. Like 80s kids were constantly. Yeah, I don't know. It, it was the first generation of kids who were like 
so not maybe not the first, but the first of a kind, maybe, where they were so um defined by a lot of the media that they were exposed to, right? Like, um, and again, you know, maybe that kind of ties into the whole idea of like being raised by a TV, maybe not necessarily um you know having a ton of exposure to like real life or you know actual parents or whatever but um you know again like just 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 my my thought uh, my thoughts about this movie being about kids who or or being about the the parent anxiety of the 80s of kids you know what they get up to on their own and and you know when they're constantly exposed to tv and and you know that's all that they take in and and what they will do if just left to their own devices is like kind of like it, it kind of all kind of fits part and parcel to that for me i buy it yeah same cool <laughs> <Ka-ching>. <laughs> <laughs> all right well anyone have any final words on this movie or oh wait i do i'm sorry i'm uh, i'm all over the place i just like freaking was floored when they're on the waterfall ledge and Sid turns to Sari and he's like, who are you? And she says, I'm a mom. What? Mm-hmm. <laughs> what? Dude, it's it's because it's the movie. It's about yeah. parents. And yeah. Like, yeah. 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 <laughs> yeah. 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 More than a mom. <laughs> so much more than a mom. And she let her kid like decorate a room in Duran Duran posters. Like she's a cool mom. Oh, not just Duran Duran posters, but um Billy uh, Idol. Billy Idol. I certainly saw a Depeche Mode poster yes. in there. Yep. Yeah. That's a cool ass mom. Yeah. I yeah. mean, yeah. If I'm thinking of what I know about the 80s, you know, most moms are not cool with Depeche Mode. No. But or letting her kid listen to Depeche Mode and putting two ice cubes in her white wine when she gets home from a hard day of work the 80s (laughs) (laughs) wearing like a fucking awesome pink jumpsuit like I was all I was like all about this character do I want to date you or do I want to be you? I don't know. But like, mm. like for it. the constant question, do I want to date you or do I want to be? You? <laughs> yeah. uh, I mean, that's how you know it's been done well, right? I mean... <laughs> She's really pulling off that jumpsuit. So yep. that jumpsuit. I feel like we should add that to the podcast, like hottest hottest character in the movie or something Ooh, great question great question ooh, ooh, ooh. go go go, 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 go. Yeah. Yeah. shit i don't know if yeah. you have anyone um okay yeah. Corey, you go first Who's oh the i mean character? sorry ab- sorry absolutely like wearing that pink jumpsuit driving r- riding that yellow bike across the the scene and the end credit or like the end scene yeah mm-hmm. drinking drinking her drinking her white wine with ice cubes laying down in her robe and then getting a hell coffee. yeah into it into all of it love it i think for me it's that i I feel bad i don't remember her the character's name but it's that park ranger who is like wearing the fancy perfume and smoking the cigarettes in the and then blaming it on the kid like i just love the like freewheeling fucking you know like don't give a shit just try to get this dude like i love it i love it so much i'm so sad that it didn't pan out for her you know i know oh my god I feel like I'm gonna go with uh pink jumpsuit Carrie Russell too. She's hot. Mm. She wasn't hot when she was in 
what show back in the Felicity? Yeah, that was it. But she's I don't know, she came into her own. <laughs> but she aged well. <laughs> she just Fair. started playing moms and now we're good. She's a MILF now. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and that's that's definitely what we're gonna end it on. <laughs>